The following podcast is produced or sponsored by a community member. The content, views, and opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect those of BMC or the Town of Belmont. BMC welcomes your comments. Call us at 617-484-2443 or email us at access at belmontmedia.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the TOST Podcast here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network, found online at belmontmedia.org slash podcast and also at soundcloud.com by searching Belmont Media. You can listen to the Toddcast at your convenience by downloading the free SoundCloud app available on both iTunes and Google Play stores. I'm Todd Bloniars from the Time Out for Sports Talk TV show available on BMC channels 9 and 29 and also on demand at belmontmedia.org. And while it still uh, feels a lot like summer outside, uh, the calendar has officially turned to September, and that means it is time for football and our annual TOST New England Patriots season preview. And uh, joining me here in the Studio B and his uh, usual co-pilot's chair, Howie McClellan. Uh, good to uh, to see you and talk to you, Howie. Uh, yeah, good to be here, of course. Yes. You know, always always looking forward to getting the football. It's the only thing that gets me through the winter, and you know how much I don't like winter. I know. Other than football. I know, <laughs> but, you know, that's what's... Uh, you know, as I said, it just it doesn't feel like it's ready to start football season yet because it's still like, you know, in well, the well, 90s yeah. outside. Well, some <laughs> actually go, I think it was a September 20th is actually the first day of fall. Yeah. So it's technically still summer. I know meteorological is. summer is over, but, uh, you know, it's all right. We, yeah. After the spring we had, we deserve a lot more summer. Yeah, well, we may very well a get it. A lack of spring. <laughs> that is true. Well, we may very well get it. Uh, we uh, are going to be joined a little bit later by uh, Christopher Price from the Boston Sports Journal. Uh, he is the Patriots beat writer, covers the team extensively, so we'll get his thoughts on uh, on uh, what he's seen uh, through training camp and everything in the upcoming season. But, uh, well, here we are, another season uh, for the Patriots, and uh, there's a lot of w- different ways I, I think we could start this. I think one of the first ways I want to start it is that the Patriots are going to definitely be fighting some kind of history. I know we tend to take it for granted every year. They're either in the, like, the AFC championship game, which they've been like the last, what, eight years now? And they've been to, you know, eight Super Bowls here in the Brady-Belichick era. But uh, history's not on the Patriots' side if they're going to try to get back to the Super Bowl this year because, uh, you know, it's, 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 just, it's interesting, Howie. I mean, we, uh, the timeout show, of course, started in 1994. And uh, that year, uh, we, our original, the very first show was a Super Bowl preview, Dallas and Buffalo. Well, those Buffalo Bills were the last team to lose a Super Bowl and get back to the Super Bowl the next year. Of course, they had lost, they lost four straight. But they so they did it three times, but they're the last team to do it, and uh, so uh, it, it's been a quarter of a century since a team that has lost a Super Bowl has made it back to the big game the next year. Actually, shouldn't shouldn't that make history on our side because it hasn't happened in so long? It's <laughs> bound to happen again. I mean, you know, come on. The, the, the mean, dreaded law of averages. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it can't keep going on like that forever. It's well, gonna it's gonna change. Well, I guess that's one way of looking at it. I suppose. Uh, you know, uh, though, you know, you just think about the two uh, recent Super Bowl losses, at least the ones, again, in the Brady-Belichick era. You had, the you know, the first one, uh, Super Bowl 42, and then, of course, the next year, you know, second quarter, Brady, uh, his knee blows out, and they, you know, they miss the playoffs, you know, even though, you know, in most years, 11-5 and five would have been good enough to make the playoffs. Uh, Matt Castle leading the, the Pats that year to a, a very surprising 11-5 and five season that we didn't expect, and then, of course, they, they lost out uh, on tiebreakers, uh, you know, for the playoffs, but uh, and then there was the other uh, Giants loss uh, four years later when they uh, 
uh, got to the uh, conference championship game the next year. They uh, hosted the Ravens, but uh, Ravens uh, beat them in Foxborough, and they wound up going on to uh, to win the Super Bowl. So I, I will say this: if, if Grandpa does tear up his ACL again, no, they ain't going to make it back to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you don't think Brian Hoyer is going to be able to lead him to eleven and five? No. No, you're nope. prob- yeah, no, I think you're probably right on that one. And uh, certainly, uh, Grandpa, is that a new nickname you've come up with yep. for, uh, for uh, the f- a Poppy? We'll call him Poppy. <laughs> for the 40- old Poppy. Yeah. The 41-year-old Tom Brady about to embark on his, uh, what is this going to be, his 19th season with the team and 18th season as the starting quarterback for uh, the Patriots. It's, uh, where's the time gone? <laughs> I just it's, it does not feel like it's uh, it's been that long. but No, but uh, no, he's... Uh... I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. I mean, especially, I mean, in years past when he had no receivers, his, um, he could overcome that because of who he was and his, his brain and how quick he was and everything. But he still has no receivers, but he's getting older now. And his, let's face it, your reflexes aren't as fast. Your thought process aren't as fast as much as it's faster than most people at that age and at that position. It has to be. It has to be changing. I mean, that's just that's just the God-given. Whatever happens when you get older, nobody beats Father Time in the end. Yeah. Sorry, doesn't happen. We've seen it. Closest thing was Gordy Howe playing hockey till he was fifty, uh-huh. but that was it. He didn't take the abuse that Brady had. He gave out more abuse. Yeah, you know, that's true. So, I, I, it, eventually, if unless. They get him some receivers, or hopefully they have a line that can protect him. Because you got to remember, two years ago when they did win, he missed the first four games. Yeah. He was rested. He had didn't come into game five. So when he got into the playoffs, everyone else had four more games under their belt. He was a lot fresher at that point. It wasn't last year, and I think it showed on that whole team last year that they were starting to wear down. And not that they don't have fun, but it became – you know, you, you talk about business-like, but it can be business-like and it can be business-like with a good attitude going. And I didn't see that. I saw that. I felt like they were struggling to to have to prove a point. And they're not, if they have to do that again, it isn't going to happen. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. It's uh, yeah. They were definitely struggling down the stretch, especially on the defensive side. And I, I think had they struggled a little less defensively, they might have found a way to to win Super Bowl Fifty Two. And maybe we wouldn't be having this conversation because a Super Bowl win might have glossed over, covered up a lot of the you know the like what you're talking about. Uh, you know, some of the the infighting, for lack yeah. of a better word. Yeah, no, no, and that's still there. I I, I don't care what they want to say. There's there's disharmony there. I mean, first. And Guerrero can't be on the sideline. He can't fly. All of a sudden, he is again. You think Belichick changed his mind and said, geez, I'm sorry, you're right. Maybe he should. No way. He was forced to do that. You don't think that causes a problem from the guy who was given ultimate power by the owner, who is now, and from what I'm hearing now, that the owner is the one that's getting upset because everyone's saying, it's Brady Belichick. Brady Belichick saying, well, wait a minute. I'm the owner. I put this thing together. Where's, where's, <laughs> where am I getting here? Why aren't I, I getting in this? Uh, why isn't it Brady Belichick and Kraft? So I think there's more infighting that we even know. You don't think it's enough of a legacy for uh, Robert Kraft to just, you know, have the the shopping mall down there, the the, the wonderful stadium, all the, the revenues he gets from the tickets and the. He's got you know, an ego all... just like everybody else does on that. Uh, who's in any type of professional win, 
or lose situation. And when you win, you want to win, and you want to have an ego. And if they say you're the best, you want to be considered part of that best. And he seemed to be left out of that for most for the conversations. Think about it. It was never about Brady, Belichick, Kraft. It was Brady, Belichick, Brady, Belichick, Belichick, Brady, Belichick, Brady, not Kraft. Mm. So that's an interesting take. I haven't really uh, heard heard anyone really come in from that angle of it. But yeah, and I mean, why all of a sudden is the guy who should be here ready to take over and lead us to another 10 years of, of a young quarterback is gone. We have no one to be groomed, right? The guy who was told he could no longer be on the sidelines, he could no longer be in the stadium, he could no longer be on the plane last year when all the crap hit the fan, and all of a sudden he's back like everything, like nothing ever happened. You Like, again, you think Belichick just changed his mind and said, Geez, Mr. Guerrero, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that to you. I really would like you to come back and be on my sideline and really would like you back on the sideline of practice and fly on our plane. You think you think he's the one who blessed that? No way. Yeah, I mean, it, it does feel like he was making some concessions in order to try to, like, maybe make things a little bit better with the whole Brady-Belichick relationship. Uh, who for was? Sure. Well, no, I mean, Belichick was kind of giving some concessions no. by, I guess, allowing... No, Kraft was to- Kraft oh, you think told, Kraft, Kraft told Belichick told to- that's the way it's going to be. Kraft told him that's mm-hmm. the way it's going to be, because whatever Tommy wants, Tommy's going to get. Does he deserve it? Does he deserve a little extra? Sure. But should he decide the destiny of this team for the next 10, 15 years? No. The only question I guess I would ask there is if Belichick does feel like the Kraft's kind of making some of these decisions without, you know, have, you know, he doesn't have the full authority that he used to have, why would, you know, at his age and everything, why would he want to stick around? I mean, I, I know maybe the only reason I could think of if I use that theory would be I know his sons are, you know, Belichick's sons are now on the coaching staff, yep. and maybe that's the only reason that he wants to try to, you know, give them a chance to maybe have a have long, successful careers as, sure. as coaches. But other than that, I, I can't imagine why Belichick would just say, well, you know, if you're not going to give me full autonomy here, you know, forget it. You know, no, I, well, I can leave whatever I want. You know, I've made, I've made enough money that's and That's 100% right. He wants to make sure that if he tells Kraft to go himself, right, yeah. that he Kraft doesn't turn around. <laughs> Do something that's anatomically impossible. <laughs> and, and, and he, Kraft isn't going to turn around and get rid of his two kids who are trying to get into the coaching profession. You know, not that uh, Bill couldn't get him a job somewhere else, but... It, you know, it's all, it, it, it's, it's, that's why, that's why this dynasty is starting to crumble slowly, but surely. Um, it's like a marriage. I mean, there's arguments, there's fights, there's whatever, but in this case, it's all about power and who feels that they have the right to make the decisions. Whether Brady feels he does because of what he's done, Kraft feels he does because he's the owner, and Belichick feels he does because he's always been told he could. And, he, and he's proven what he can do. So you got three egos. And obviously, in my eyes, from what I see, I think Belichick's losing the fight because everything he tried to stop is going on again. And every time Brady's asked about it, he shuts off the in, in, uh, interview. Boom. Doesn't want to talk about it. And I don't know. Kraft never just seems to be asked about it. He, he just talks around it in circles. But I, I, I think... Kraft's trying to flex his muscles. He's getting a little older, too, you know? So, I, I don't know. I, 
it's been a great ride, but uh, get ready for the car it, to hit the wall pretty soon. It does feel like, you know, I know Brady's used the, the, the words sooner rather than later, and it, it does feel that way when it comes to the Patriots dynasty. I think these years of, of excellence and, you know, high standards and, you know, ma- you know making uh, at least the conference championship every year, it feels like those days are coming uh, quickly to an end. I don't know. I mean, it, it, do you, I mean, will it be fast? Will it be a sudden fall, or will it be kind of gradual? Did the Patriots, were they always great for getting rid of someone a year or two before their career was over to bring in the next guy and knowing that the other guy was about to fall off the end of the table. How many times did they did that? McGinnis, Malloy, uh, uh, Ty Law. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, they get rid of these guys because they know they're coming toward the end and they want more than they should get. And there's another guy that's sitting in the background that can do a better job and he's younger and he's going to do it for many more years. So why... Why, in the most critical position, do you let that happen? The Celtics did it when they kept Bird, McHale, and Parrish together for too long. Danny Ainge, who saw that, got rid of Pierce and Garnett before it happened, and look where the Celtics are now. That's what the Patriots should have done, but egos got in the way, and uh, people started to think with their heart instead of their head. But you know, the owner. yeah. But it's a tough call. I mean, look at everything tough Brady call. has Are done you for this the for a business. You in this for a love fest? Well, you're kind of in it for a little bit of both. I no. mean, I think you're you're, you're in well. it to win. You're in it for a, you win in it to win it. You, you're right. in it to have the best product on the field. You're not in it to to give someone the last. Oh, who hurrah! Okay, you're here. We we're terrible. We suck. But we're gonna make sure you stay until you're ready to go. Hey. Joe Montana got traded, didn't he? He did. No, I mean, you're many, right. Most, many most great quarterbacks have gotten traded at the end of their career when they wanted to continue when the team was smart enough to say, you're not the guy anymore. Yeah, very few of them have actually finished their careers with the, you know, you look at all the great quarterbacks and very few of them, especially in the last yeah, like 20 Brett years. Favre. Yeah, Did he finish his career? Peyton Manning. Yeah, I Manning. Mean, all of them. Yeah. You go right down the line. But at least those guys, their owners were smart enough to say, I, I, it was a great thing while it lasted, but it's time to turn the page. Can you imagine if they kept Peyton Manning and didn't develop Andrew Luck, even with the shoulder problem? Or, or if they kept um, Brett Favre and they didn't let Andrew uh, Aaron Rodgers go on? You know, it's the same thing. Here's where I do think it, it's it's a somewhat tough decision. Okay, say they made the decision at the end of last year. Okay, they lost the Super Bowl. We're going to let Brady – well, I, you would have had to trade him because he's under contract. So you trade him. You you decide you're going to keep Garoppolo. He's going to be the starter. You're going to have – you're going to definitely come down from the level you're at, and it's going to take a few years to build it up if it ever gets back up to the same level or even anything closely approaching that. And meanwhile, your fans, the message you've given to the fans and how the fans might react, I, I don't – I think that's where – where the decision gets tough because the PR hit and I you know craft with the ego you're talking about he's afraid of taking that that PR hit from the fans saying well we're going to let Brady go 49ers I mean, didn't know. have that problem Indianapolis yeah. didn't have that problem Green Bay didn't have that problem and they went on to have continued great success after the franchise was gone and when those franchises left I mean all right Manning went and Manning may have won another Super Bowl with Denver, but he was a he was a game manager. He didn't right. win that game, right? Brett Favre never became anything close to what he was, right? It just I don't. I mean, I know we've had this argument many a times, and I, I'm sorry. I I want to after seeing other teams crumble doing this, I hate to see our team make the same mistake because if you watch history, history will tell you this is what's going to happen. 
and it's going to happen because it wasn't I want to, now it's not I want to play till I'm at least 45. Now it's like sooner than, than later I want to retire. Now he's just turning 41. So what's that mean, 42, 43? What happened to 44, 45? When, when is it going to be time? You know, is it going to be yeah. another injury, a, a concussion? Well, he's just going to say, and, and I wouldn't blame him at this point if he tore his knee up and said forget it. But, sure. but everything he did up to that point led the Patriots to believe that it wouldn't end that way. Now, the way he talks, it is going to end that way. So they threw away the future for something that was going to be around for another five, six years. And he's saying, now, nah, I don't know. So. Yeah, that's. Uh, well, you know, you, uh, you, t- you know, there's a, few, a couple different books coming out this fall. I know one, there's a Belichick book coming out, and there's another book about the NFL. And I don't remember which book this is in specifically. It might be the Belichick book. I, I guess there's like an excerpt saying when it, when it comes to the whole Garoppolo thing, supposedly Belichick was fully intent on f- trying to franchise Garoppolo for this coming year, even though it was going to cost like $24, 25000000 million towards the uh, team's salary cap and would have created, you know, then he would have been making like $10 million more than what Brady's making, which is like about fifteen right now. Uh, uh, so, but he was willing to do that. I guess that that was at least, you know, if you believe, you know, I guess that's what this author is saying. So, you're not telling me that they couldn't, they wouldn't have been able to trade Brady to someone. Yeah, well, but then <laughs> so it wouldn't have mattered how much they paid Garoppolo because Brady would have been gone. They weren't going to keep them both. They could have franchised them and then traded Brady. Probably got something decent for him, right? Instead, would have gotten something. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe not as much. You know, well, for, I said decent. Yeah, you know, but because he's again, no one else is going to give the farm away for a forty-one-year-old quarterback that's not sure how much longer he wants to play. Now, you yeah. know, a year or two ago it was forty-five. You know, so yeah, I mean, uh, you know, as a Patriots fan and even as a Tom Brady fan, it would, you know, it had the scenario played out in that way. It, it would have been, I don't know, I, I still would have found it tough. And you're right. No, you're right. You know, it's business versus, you know, you know, a love affair with a quarterback, you know, who's won you, you five you, Super Bowls. You, 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 think it, you think after a couple of years with Aaron Rodgers, they kind of forgot about Brett Favre, that it they didn't hurt anymore? You think after a couple of years of, of Steve Young, that it didn't bother San Francisco that Montana left? I mean, come on. Yeah. And you don't think that after a couple of years, after if Brady had gone and Garoppolo had brought us to the heights that, you know, they could have, you know. Which I'm still not convinced that that's going to happen. I mean, he does, he's looked good in a very small sample size so far in his NFL career, but, you know, I'm. But you don't think if that happened, everyone would have forgot about it? Like, yeah, Tom was great when he was here, but, you know, good good thing we got rid of him when we did because uh, look what's happening now. No, you're right. It's easy. But we have no backup plan now. It, right. Well, we have that, Brian Hoyer. Well, we had sure. Brian Hoyer once. We let him go. Well, Three or four you, other teams tried him out, and even as a starter, and they let him go. So where is he back here as a backup again? At 32 or And he's not going any farther than that. He's already been a starter in the NFL, and he didn't make it. So Danny Etling is not the answer. The uh, seventh round pick that they uh, spent uh, this year. He's on the. He made. He uh, was. Yeah, the practice he was cut, squad. Yeah, he's on the practice squad. But uh, I mean, they see something. In Even him. if he is, it's going to take two, three, four years. I mean, yeah, no, it took two, three, four years for the Garoppolo to develop. You know, if Brady leaves in two, it takes him another two. There's two dead years yeah. or two years without Brian Hoyer. I don't know. No, what's weird is that, you know, when they drafted Garoppolo, I don't think they necessarily expected that Brady was going to react 
at least with his on-the-field performance the way he did. Like, he, it was kind of like that kick in the pants at the end of his, you know, the later part of his career where all of a sudden he, he took it to another level and was able to help the Patriots win two more Super Bowls when I think we all kind of thought maybe they were going to be stuck, you know, winning just those three early on in, in Brady's career. So they bring Bel- you know, they bring Garoppolo in or they draft him thinking, well, in four years at the rate that, you know, Brady seems to be kind of like middling or, you know, I don't want to say declining, but just, you know, he wasn't bringing them to the promised land. So it would have been an easy decision to make. Then he wins, you know, two in four years and then actually takes him to a third Super Bowl, which they almost won. And yeah, I mean, things, you know, that kind of yeah. ch- that changed the equation all of a sudden. And then, right. you know, then you've got Kraft, like you said, kind of interfering. He goes to Belichick and goes, well, yeah, you're not, uh, you know, Brady's finishing his career here and you're not going to. You know, which I don't even know if Brady will finish his career here because look at this contract restructuring they just gave Brady. I mean, so he's got two more years under contract here, but it looks like that's all there's going to be. You know, if he thinks he wants to play further than that or longer than that, he, I, I don't know if he'd be crazy enough to want to go somewhere else at that point. But, and, you, you know. Well, yeah. And isn't it funny, too, that all of a sudden the, the kick in the pants is gone and all of a sudden who's not at OTAs? Who, who's not at practice all the time? I, Wow, it's because anybody I got to worry about behind me now. Yes, that's uh, that's true. Well, uh, here he is uh, on the uh, telephone line with us. We are very pleased to be joined by uh, Christopher Price from uh, Boston Sports Journal and bostonsportsjournal.com. Uh, he covers uh, the Patriots, and uh, he's been a part of our uh, Patriots previews the last couple of seasons. So it's uh, good to have you back again. Uh, Chris, how are you? Good. It's an honor to be here, and I appreciate you guys being a little flexible. I, I, I threw you an audible at the last second, but I think we're all good now. <laughs> and not a problem. We're used to moving on the fly. Yeah, we, we are. Yes. Yeah, we, we, we treated this like it was live, and it wasn't even live, but that's okay. <laughs> no, it worked out okay. Uh, no, thank you uh, very much for joining us. Yeah, no, we've been, you know, uh, Chris, I, I do want to get into some stuff about the specific 2018 roster, but Howie and I have been talking these first few minutes uh, a lot about the whole uh, the holy trinity of the Patriots with Brady and Belichick and Kraft and the power struggle between the three. And, uh, you know, I, I also so one of the things I was going to bring up with Howie, I think we were going to get to it, was the whole, you know, Tom uh, Brady with his, uh, you know, another Facebook installment tomorrow kind of oh, yeah. timing for this. Uh, yeah, what are your uh, – so uh, let me let me ask you this, uh, Chris. Uh, I mean, first of all, do you think that there's going to be anything revealing in this little five-minute installment? And what's up with the timing of this, like, you know, coming out just before the start of the regular season when we all thought that that whole Tom versus Time Facebook documentary was all finished? Like, why is, he even, why is there even another installment? This is a need for him to try, at least, you know, I'll put up my quote fingers here when I say that, try to control the narrative around his situation, uh, you know, when he's going to retire, how many more years he's going to play, as well as his relationship with Bill Belichick. I know that, you know, you guys have seen it, we've seen it as well, where he kind of bristles at uh, questions regarding Alex Guerrero. This is a chance for him to put out the story that he wants to have out there. And so I'm with you guys. I I question the timing of this. I don't know, you know, for a team and for a guy who's always been all about putting the blinders on and ignoring the noise and all that, uh, to have this drop the first week of the regular season, I think is a little bit curious. But I'll go back to what I said before. You know, ultimately, I think this is his attempt to try and get his message out there, you know, his attempt to kind of try to control the narrative so uh, people will focus on that as opposed to some of the other things that we've been talking about. Yeah, but do you think it'll make people focus on that or just focus on still the dysfunction that's going on because he has to go out and, and do something like this? 
Well, I, I think, you know, we should get some of those answers. Not You know, we'll, we'll get them tomorrow at noon when, when the thing drops, but we'll also get some of those answers when he's, you know, he's scheduled to meet the media this week as well. And so that's going to be, you know, another part of this, this story. And, you know, we're going to have to ask him questions about it, and it's going to kind of, you know, divert attention. But it, it is. It's a, it's, a, it's a great question. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, like I said, I, I guess I'll go back to the idea that, uh, again, this is his attempt to try to kind of, you know, steer the conversation in a direction that he thinks is favorable. I don't think it's a great idea, especially, like I said before, with the timing. But this is his, you know, this is his attempt to kind of try to take control of the narrative, for lack of a better term, I guess. Well, let me ask you this, Chris. Uh, you know, I you, you have more access to the team, certainly, than we do. I, I know that some of that can still be limited. But overall, from what you've seen uh, covering the team up close— what what do you think is the current relationship between Brady and Belichick? Is there is there a really wide chasm there? I mean, I, I just you know can it can it be kind of at least good enough that the team can continue to play without disharmony? I mean, I guess part of you know when they brought Josh McDaniels back as offensive coordinator was part of that to kind of help appease Brady. I mean, how much of that do you do you buy into uh, the rationale well, there? I I think. It really, it's like any relationship when you've been together for 20 years. I, I just, I relationships grow and evolve and change, and people, you know, become different individuals. I, I would love, and, and I think people feel the same way. I, I would love for that, you know, Belichick Brady relationship to kind of, you know, operate like it was in 2001, 2002, 2003. But Bill has changed, and Tom has changed, and you know, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. You know, it, and so it's going to become different over time, and that's just the nature of you know human relations, quite frankly. Uh, there, there is not. I mean, there, there's no outward hostility there you know there, there's no you know there's no blood in the streets there's no feuding between them there's no but i i will say this that you know i i, I one of the biggest things i i thought of this summer i really one of one of the biggest takeaways i had was the fact that quite frankly you're with a coach and a quarterback and you know you work that closely for 20 years i have to imagine that they've had more than their fair share of awkward moments of difficulties of you know uh, Things where where they're yelling at each other and they're probably not happy. It's like it is. It's it's like a successful marriage. Even the most successful marriage, they're going to hit some patches from time to time. Um, but really, the thing that, at least from my perspective, having covered the team since since two thousand one, is that there is an absolute stone cold practicality there with Belichick with Brady. Kind of there with Kraft as well, but primarily with Belichick and Brady, and the realization that they both need each other to get the job done. They're great at compartmentalization, and so we have this off-season soap opera, we have this off-season drama, we have this you know quote-unquote power struggle, for lack of a better term. But when it matters, when you know they're 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 on that field at Sunday at one or Sunday at four or Monday night at eight or whatever it is there's a realization that they both need each other to be successful. And I think that overrides everything, at least as we sit here now on the cusp of a new season. So really to answer your question, there's not a, a, you know, a level of you know, hatred or disgust or dislike between the two. They've had their ups and downs over the course of their relationship, but they've always managed to put whatever issues they've had aside 
when it's time to play real football and get after it, and I think that's going to be the case again this year. Do you buy into that uh, theory that Kraft doesn't feel he gets enough credit for what's going on with this team and, and his ego's a little bit bruised, and then maybe that's why he's kind of getting involved in things that maybe he shouldn't uh, at this point? Because uh, I, you know, I, I think he's, I, he's always said he's been a fan, and sometimes when he does things, I think he's dealing from his heart, not his head as a businessman in some senses with this team. And I think that could be a problem. At least I think that's a problem going down the road. I think what Robert Kraft wants is to be loved more than anything in the world. And I think he wants to be in the good graces of his coach, and I think he wants to be in the good graces of the quarterback. And what this franchise needed this offseason, and I don't know if it got it, but what I think this franchise needed this offseason was for him to be a leader, was for him to be maybe a bit of a of, of an a-hole, quite frankly, and to sit both of them down and to say, look, you know what? We all need to get on the same page here. We need to do what's right for the franchise. We need to be able to get back to where we were before, where everybody was all pulling on the same oar and we were as successful as we were. Because he's the only guy, really truthfully, at the end of the day, who can wield any sort of power over the both of them. I, like I said before, I still believe that there is a stone-cold practicality there when you talk about the two of them, the coach and the quarterback. But the owner needs to be a leader. The owner needs to be better in that regard when it comes to getting both of them on the same page. To, to you know, Whenever there is you know, dysfunction, he needs to be the leader there. And I don't know if he did that as well as he possibly could this past offseason. Yeah, I mean, it kind of, well, you're sort of playing into my theory that, you know, the whole craft, uh, I was talking about this with Howie before you came on, Chris, you know, craft uh, wanting to be loved. I think, you know, that kind of plays into the fact he wanted to keep Brady here and not take the major PR hit yeah. and, and the hatred that would have gone with it had they decided to hold on to Garoppolo and trade Brady. It just, he yeah, wasn't going to do and that. It also goes back to, I mean, you know, you can reference the, you know, everything that happened around the flake game that did, he kind of wanted it both sides and he wanted to stay in the good graces of the owners and, you know, his decision to kind of ramp down the rhetoric and, you know, to kind of take the, take the punishment. I, I do. I, I honestly believe. And look, I, I want to make this clear too. That's not necessarily a character flaw to be wanting to to want people to like you. I think we all suffer from that from time to time. But I, I think in his position, I don't know if that's completely possible to be that guy and to be able to run a successful football team. I guess for lack of a better term. Yeah. No. No. I think you're a thousand percent right on that. You, like you said, sometimes you got you got to be the owner. You can't be everyone's friend. And sometimes with that comes comes the the, the hatred and the uh, anger of people. But you know that that's your job as the owner is, is to be the owner, not to be everyone's buddy. So yeah, and, uh, and, and I think that he's I, I think that he's fallen victim to that on on a number of occasions. And I I don't know why. I'm not going to try and you know use my dime store psychology on him and his evolution as an owner. But I, I think that you know the the. The franchise could have used a little bit more leadership in what was a very tumultuous stretch. Let's just put it that way. I guess say, he's getting older, and I think he just wants to be loved at the end. Yeah. <laughs> it's an age that's, thing. That's a, and that's a perfectly legitimate point, too, that he's now at a stage where he might be more consumed by his own legacy and what that means and, and you know what, what all of that entails. But, you know, it, it is. It's a fascinating thing when you look at his ownership and what happened to this franchise and how he really grew into the job 
in, in how he became what he became, one of the leaders of the National Football League. Um, but yeah, it is. It's an interesting. It's it's an interesting arc. What what he's been able to do, and you know what the how the franchise has grown and the league has grown since he's been involved. You know, I think the only one who probably doesn't care how much he's loved would be Belichick himself. Uh, certainly, <laughs> uh, other than by by Lynn, other than by Miss Holiday. But uh, you know, it's uh, in the end. Uh, I guess uh, you know. Again, this is the 30 year anniversary of the movie Cocktail, and the one line I can think of from that movie that just feels so perfect to try to describe the current relationship is that everything ends badly, otherwise it wouldn't end. I mean, it's exactly. just and it just kind of feels like that's the, the direction things are going. But while we're trying to squeeze a couple more seasons out of the uh, the whole Brady-Belichick uh, dynamic, well, let me ask you this, Chris. Uh, what uh, Brady-Belichick, how much longer do you think each of them is going to remain with the Patriots, and do you see either of them, after they leave the Patriots, go elsewhere? I think Tom is going to be in New England for another two years, and I think Bill is going to be around for another five Probably five to seven. Um, I, but I guess the $64 million question is, I don't know if Tom's going to retire after these two years or if he's going to want to go play somewhere else. But I think at the end of this current contract, that that's going to be it for him, at least as it relates to the Patriots. I think that he might be more inclined if he wins a Super Bowl or two between now and then to hang him up. I, I think he's going to continue chasing it. Uh, and I, I think that you know we also should revisit this in two years because – and it's clear through the Tom versus Time video that family has become you know, an important part of this. Whether you believe it or not, he's you know kind of bargained for another couple of years with Giselle, and I think that at least as we sit here right now in 2018, that's still the case. That may change down the road, but that's one of the reasons why I say, look, he's going to play 2018, 2019, and then you know it's anyone's guess. But I think Bill has probably got another five years or so. In him, I don't see him coaching, and he's mentioned this before. You know, he's not going to be like Marv Levy coaching when he's eighty, and he's what is in his late sixties now. So, um, that would probably kind of round out his career. And I also wonder too if if he is, you know, if if he would be more inclined to say if he won another Super Bowl or two, just to say, all right, that's enough for me. I'm I'm calling it a career. Yeah, actually, I, I thought if they won it last year, I wouldn't have been surprised if he had uh, hung it up. Because I mean, I mean, what else does he have to win? What else does he have to prove? I mean, nothing. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, no. at this point, he's he's he stayed. He wants to see his kids grow up a little bit. He doesn't want to end up being, you know, a, a vegetable at the end. I mean, you know, and there's there's a lot of other re- different reasons why you know maybe he does want to get out earlier than later. But I mean, he should have been up front with the Patriots that with that. Two years ago, instead of the, I want to play till I'm at least 45, so that they get rid of, say, a Garoppolo because he's going to stay. And now it's like maybe a year, maybe two, and they this going to end up with what Brian Hoyer, uh, some kid they drafted Fox. and hope he can make it. Fox, the kid out, keep a, keep an eye on this kid out of Missouri, the quarterback out of Missouri, Drew Locke. I love this kid. I, he's the guy who, at least as we sit here right now, you know, obviously things could change between now and then, but but he. He strikes me as one of those guys who you can look at him and say, okay, I can kind of see him in the role. I can, you know, I might be able to see him as the next guy. Wow. You know, Chris, uh, i got to commend you because uh, if I watch any Missouri football now, it's going to be because of you. Because uh, <laughs> otherwise I would have had no interest in watching uh, any of that whatsoever. But now, now you've got me intrigued anyway, if nothing else. Uh, well, let's, uh, you know, talk about then, um, you know, the possibility of, of a sixth Super Bowl uh, for Brady and Belichick together. And, uh, it, you know, obviously came up just a few points short last year. They go back into it again. And uh, one of the things Howie and I was uh, were talking about at the top, uh, how uh, it's going to be, 
uh, an uphill battle against history. The Patriots are going to try to become the first team in 25 years to lose a Super Bowl and try to get back to the Super Bowl the next year. Uh, when you look at this team, I know the AFC is relatively weak. Uh, I mean, what do you think the, the Patriots' chances are to, uh, to to get back to the to the Super Bowl with, with the team as it's constituted? I guess also, like, what kind of concerns do you have about this team as they get ready to kick off the season uh, this Sunday? I think as presently constituted, they strike me as a Final Four team at the worst. Even, um, okay. even a team where you look at what they've been able to do and what they've been able to accomplish and where they are, at least from a roster perspective. And like you mentioned, you know, when you're talking about the AFC, I, I don't see any other team out there as a potential competitor. So, yeah, like I said, I, you, know, you look at this team right now um, as, a, as a Final Four team, as we sit here, and then you get to the conference championship game and it's all home field and it's weather and it's, you know, matchups and personnel and all that. But, yeah, I think this team, is, as, you know, if they can stay healthy, they have a small window, not, not a small window, I shouldn't say that, but a small margin for error. Really, and, and that's probably my biggest concern if I was a Patriots fan. They have a really good core. They have a really good nucleus. They have, you know, guys like Hightower and Gronkowski and, you know, once Edelman comes back and Brady and, you know, McCourty and Gilmore. And, and they have a lot of really good high-end talent, but they can't afford to sustain any sort of injury, I guess, you know, from a big-picture perspective. So they are a team that should be in the conference championship once again, but getting past that point, I think, is going to be really interesting if they have to go on the road, say, like we saw a few years ago with Denver, if they have to go on the road to out of Jacksonville or whatever the case may be, things could get a little dicey. But I think right now they're still really you know, on that short list of genuine Super Bowl contenders. Now, with their uh, pass-happy offense, do you think that the uh, receiving court that they have is going to be enough? I mean, I know in the past they've had some uh, pretty shady uh receivers but they've, they've always seen to come around but I mean I'm not seeing a lot here I mean I'm hoping that uh, Patterson can actually be something more than what he's been in Oakland but I mean you got Edelman out I mean we don't know anything about Dorsett I mean Hogan we know but I mean Chad Hansen I mean we, what is really there that, that that scares me for a team that's going to pass so much well I think you, you got to look at this team in, in two different sections, quite frankly, this offense specifically, two different sections. First four weeks, and then the rest of the season, and that's presuming everybody stays healthy. They have to figure out a way to keep it together for the first four weeks of the season until Julian Edelman gets back. And so if you can get a little bit more out of, let's just pick a name out of a hat, Jeremy Hill, if you could get a little bit more out of um, Philip Dorsett, if you could get a little bit more out of one of the, you know, um, you know, one of the other backs there. I, you can, quite frankly, paper over a lot of deficiencies in your passing game specific to the wide receiver spot when you have James White and you have Rob Gronkowski, two of the best in their position when it comes to, you know, catching passes. But against two teams in Houston and Jacksonville, it's not going to be easy right out of the gate. I, you know, this is not, you know, a cushy start for this team, quite frankly. So, if you can get out of the first four games, three and one, and you can get Edelman back, if you stay healthy, um, this is an offense that is still capable of putting up, you know, some 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 good point totals, some some winnable point totals. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be those first four games that I think would those first four games would concern me the most. Trying to make it all work without Edelman against defenses like they have in Houston and on the road in Jacksonville, that's going to be a little bit dicey. So. My biggest concern 
is still wide receiver depth, and maybe they make a move at the trade deadline and bring in someone, you know, uh, make a you know, make some sort of impact move. I mean, they certainly have the draft capital to do it. They have multiple twos, they have multiple threes in 2018, so maybe you, know, you take one or you know a couple of those picks and put them toward a wide receiver. But I, I think that's the biggest concern still right now is is that is that depth at wide receiver, even though you still have guys like Gronkowski and White. So. Um, they can get past that. They can get past the first four games, and if everyone stays healthy, they should be okay. Yeah, we're talking with uh, Chris, Chris Price of uh, the Boston Sports Journal. You can uh, see his work on uh, bostonsportsjournal.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at CPriceNFL. I'm kind of with you, uh, Chris, although I, I'd actually be happy if they got out of the first four weeks, two and two. Not only do you have Houston-Jacksonville, yeah. I, I think certainly week three at Detroit. I, I know they're not defensively as stellar as those first two teams, but the Matt Patricia factor and him knowing kind of how the Patriots run their offense. I also think that all of these teams, maybe do they have a defensive strategy? early on to maybe double team Gronk and you know have you know Brady like okay let someone else beat us let let it be Philip Dorsett or James White or or Jeremy Hill or one of those other guys is that do you think you think that's the direction these opposing defenses are going to take uh, before Edelman comes oh, back? yeah 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 but the, the 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 question though at the same time is you know it's one thing to say it it's another thing to be able to execute that um the the Texans and both the Texans and the um the Jags have struggled at times against running backs and against tight ends out of the backfield. So we can sit here and they can sit in Houston and Jacksonville and say, yeah, the key is just throwing as many bodies at Gronk as possible. Well, you know, it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to put it into motion. So, yeah, I agree with you that, that the key for you know, any team facing New England, and really not even with that, even if you do have Edelman in the lineup, is just figuring out a way to slow down Rob Gronkowski. If you can figure out a way to slow down Rob Gronkowski, that's great, but you know, as we've seen on numerous occasions over the last three, four, five years, there are just moments in the game, and the first one that comes to mind is last year in Pittsburgh, where, and I say this, and I'll, I'll bleep it out, you basically, Tom Brady just says, bleep it, I'm going to Rob Gronkowski, and there's nothing, there's no defense out there that can stop us. So um, you're going to see that, too, over the course of the first you know, four weeks as, as well. So, yeah, I agree with you, though. I, I do think that you know the teams are going to focus. That's going to be the focus. Um, you know, especially with no Edelman in the lineup, is, is trying to figure out a way to slow down Rob. I say two questions. What's the what's the update on Sony Michael? And is Trent Brown as big as advertised? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, Sony is still he's practicing, and we get the first injury report of the week on Wednesday at four o'clock. Um, in my guess, right now, as my friend Tom Kern would say, when it comes to educated conjecture. Uh, Sony is going to be limited, and I think they're going to to keep him limited over the course of the week. My best guess at this point is he's not really going to be an impact player, at least for the first week or two, uh, as they kind of ramp him up. And quite frankly, when he's a rookie, you know what? Let's not put too much on his plate you know, right out of the gate. So, um, in I guess your second question is Trent Brown, and Trent Brown is as big as you know we have all suggested. Trent Brown is a is a is a really huge guy. I asked Dante, <laughs> he's ever coached a guy that big, and he kind of had to sit and think for a while. And no, I mean he's six seven, you know, three sixty, three seventy, three eighty. Conservatively, he's a, he's a massive, massive guy, and you know he's he, he's really light on his feet and technically sound for a, a left tackle of that size. Um, but I always come back to the idea. Look, part of it is just simple real estate. 
and I was talking to Adrian Claiborne about this, is like, it just takes time to get around him because he is so big. <laughs> He's so much bigger than other guys. So, yeah, he is going to be, you know, you get a chance to, if, if you're ever in an event or something or at practice or a training camp next year, he comes back. You know, you stand next to him, he's really, you sit there and go, wow, that's a, that's a big dude. <laughs> you know, i, I got to ask this while we're on the subject of Trent Brown. I mean, do you buy it all into the theory that, uh, Chris, that the Patriots, you know, were able to get him from San Francisco? With It was kind of, you know, sort of a, a backdoor Belichick-John Lynch deal between the two teams. Uh, you know, the fact that, you know, they only got a second-round pick when they traded Jimmy Garoppolo and that Trent Brown was sort of like an extra part of throwing, like an add-in in a separate trade later on. I mean, Play the game later. Yeah, <laughs> do you buy I mean, because, yeah, no, my question is this. I why would the 49ers want to trade this guys, Yeah, Greg was one of the first guys to bring that up as a – as a as a possible conspiracy theory. Well, I'm just saying, why would the 49ers want to give up somebody that that's that much of a behemoth yeah, exactly. to tackle? Well, I, I mean, unless this. they're when you, you know. look at what they did in the way last season ended, um, he was hurt. He was going into he's going into the last year of his contract, so you don't know which way this is all going to go with him. Um, and then the fact that the Niners drafted a tackle, McGlinchey, and so you can kind of put you can kind of draw the line between one and the other there. But look, man, I'm I'm I'd love a good conspiracy theory. So I I would I would welcome that with open arms. The idea that John Lynch, you know, basically gave Trent Brown away for you know for a makeup for for the Jimmy Garoppolo thing. Then the other thing, you know, when they trade when they made that trade, they got a draft pick. You know who they used that draft pick on? No, who? Dewan Bentley. Oh wow! Oh right, the uh, the linebacker who they're kind of high on. Yeah, right? he's been the most impressive rookie this summer, at least as far as I've as far as I can tell. So it's not just you know the the conspiracy theory aspect to it at all, but the idea that they were able to get you know they were able to trade a draft pick and get Trent Brown and Jawan Bentley back in return. That's a pretty good haul if you're the Patriots. Wow. Well, uh, a good transition here, uh, Chris, as we'll kind of switch over to the defense a little bit. Uh, obviously, you know, a few guys gone, but, uh, you know, it looks like this team could be potentially really deep uh, on their, their front line and uh, even in the secondary, although, I mean, I guess I, I wonder, is Eric Rowe, who did not perform very well in the Super Bowl <laughs> in February, is he going to bounce back? Is, is he ready to grow into this role as the corner opposite Stephon Gilmore? And what do you think about the defense uh as a, a whole, and uh, you know, with uh, you know guys like Hightower, uh, you know, back in the picture and healthy again too. I think the secondary has a chance to be the strength of this team. When you look at Hightower, or when you when you look at um, Devin McCourty and, and Chung and, and Rowe, and like you said, I mean, they. Uh, I'll say this again. I love Devin McCourty, but but you know that group, that threesome, probably played their worst game. Um, maybe combined in the Super Bowl. They had their worst game at the worst possible time. But I think that when you look at this group now going forward, those three guys, uh, the addition of Gilmore, um, and the, really the evolution of a guy like Jonathan Jones, who I really like, um, I think the secondary has a chance to be the strength of the team. The front seven, there there are some questions. We talked about the depth at the wide receiver spot. I'm also a little bit curious about the depth at the linebacker position. Look, we all know Hightower is great um, when he is healthy. I just thought it was interesting that he didn't really seem to make many plays in camp, and I don't know if they're just kind of monitoring his health, you know, like they're kind of doing with Gronk, and then you know, once the regular season comes around, they flip the switch and 
off he goes. Um, the thing that really stands out to me about the defensive line is the youth. They have a lot of youth up front, um, but that's a really good group. They need to figure out a way, though, to get a consistent pass rush, whether that's Claiborne, whether that's an improved Dietrich Wise, whether that's Trey Flowers, you know, in a contract year coming up with double-digit sacks, whatever the case may be, but they need to figure out a way to get more consistent pressure on opposing passers. You think Danny Shelton's going to uh, be able to help in that at all? Yeah, I, I no, I, I think Danny Shelton is, is brought in to be a two-gap plugger uh, in, in Occupy guys. Both he and Lawrence Guy are the guys who kind of muck everything up in the middle. Um, I think that at times Danny Shelton displayed an impressive burst, but that's not really his number one job. His number one job is to kind of be a Vince Wilfork type and kind of occupy a couple of blockers and free things up for guys like Hightower and Flowers and, and the rest of them to kind of fly around and make plays. See, I almost get the feeling that if they can get more of a pass rush, that the secondary doesn't necessarily have to perform as well, uh, especially when you figure two. I, I know, Chris, you mentioned you, you think the secondary could be the biggest area of improvement, but you also have three rookie defensive backs there. Uh, Duke Dawson was a, a fairly high draft pick, and then uh, Keon Crossan and J.C. Jackson also uh, making the team. I mean, I guess Belichick and uh, Brian Flory saw quite a, a bit in these guys to be able to you know, want to keep them all, but having that many rookies in your secondary uh, tip Typically, you know, it, it takes time for those guys to kind of grow into those positions. Exactly. I would not be concerned about J.C. Jackson. J.C. Jackson doesn't appear to really back down from anyone. I don't think confidence is going to be a problem with him. He's a really talented young man, and I think he is going to be very impressive. He's going to grow into his job. I, I think you want to be, you know, kind of manage expectations with the other two guys, Duke Dawson and Keon Crossan, and bring them along a little bit slower. But but I like Jackson. I think Jackson's going to be the kind of guy who's, you know, who has a chance to be very, very special in this league. All right. Well, uh, let me uh, wrap up things here with you, Chris. Uh, we'll kind of pin you down. I know you said you, you think that the Patriots are, are definitely good enough to get back to the AFC Championship game. How about a one-loss record is, uh, is our like here? We like to uh, predict these kind of things uh, so we can prove to be wrong at the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really, at this point, I go back and forth between 11-5 and five and 12-4. And I, I think some of it verges on the conversation we were having before, if they could come out of the first four games two and two or if they can go three and one um i think that's ultimately going to impact it really the question for me is not so many not so much how many losses but which games they are going to lose uh, when it comes to home field you know are they going to be able to beat the teams that are at least going to be theoretically in the race for home field the pittsburgh's the jacksonville's you know, I don't know who else you want to put in that conversation. Um, you know, if they can win those games and go 12 and four, I think you feel pretty good about it. But you know, if you if you still go 12 and four and you lose in Jacksonville and you lose uh, in Pittsburgh, then you start to go. Ah, you know, I don't feel so good about the chance of the Super Bowl chance of this team. So I, I'll say ultimately, I'll go 12 and four. But again, I, I think it's the question as to which games they're going to lose as opposed to to how many. Yeah, no. If that makes any sense at all. No, I agree. I agree. I, I agree with the twelve and four. That would have been my pick. And uh, you're right. It all depends on wh- which ones they are. Because if they're the ones in the division, that's going to hurt. If they lose to you know Chicago and Green Bay and uh, yeah, you know things like that, it's not going to hurt them as bad. Or Detroit. But if they like I say they lose to a Pittsburgh, a Jacksonville, a Kansas City, um, yep. Tennessee. I mean any one of those. 
you know, come back to haunt them in the end. Yeah, it, it is a pretty daunting yeah. schedule. I mean, the NFC North, uh, you, you know, you've, you know, Minnesota obviously was was really good last year. Uh, Green Bay, you expect them to bounce back with Aaron Rodgers. That'll be a prime time game. Uh, you know, even the Bears could be a little bit better. And then Detroit would get the Matt Patricia factor we brought up. And then some of these other AFC uh, teams, uh, Jacksonville, you know, Houston out of the gate catching uh, them early in the year. Uh, uh, certainly not a gimme. So I'm I'm going to say 11 and five because I think they're going to start two and two. Uh, in these uh, first four uh, pre-edited yep. games, and, and, and that's and, a completely uh, fair. That's a completely fair statement given the, given the schedule, and, and again, you know, given the the questions you have about some of these guys, and, and you know, as well as you know whether or not they're going to stay completely healthy, are they going to be able to figure out a way to make it all work with Edelman over the course of the first four games? So yeah, I mean, it, it's it's just literally they're going to be, and it, it happens every year, but it's you can really underscore it this year. There, there's a handful of plays that are going to be the difference here for this team. There's going to be a handful of moments that we'll be able to boil down that that will you know could potentially make the difference between 13 and three and 11 and five and home field or you know or, or a road game in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, certainly the margin for error a little bit smaller than in uh, previous seasons. But uh, again, it's uh, it's always it's always fun around here to watch. So we're looking forward to it. Uh, Chris Price again, thanks very much for uh, joining us here on uh, the TOST Toddcast Patriots season preview. Sounds good. Take care, guys, and we'll talk soon. Okay, right. take care. Thanks, Chris. Good night. All right, again, that was uh, Christopher Price. Uh, you can follow him uh, on at the Boston Sports Journal website, bostonsportsjournal.com. Uh, Twitter handle is at bostonsportsbsj, and uh, Chris's personal Twitter is uh, at cpricenfl. Uh, Howie, as we kind of wrap things up here, so you said 12-4, and four, I said 11-5. and five. Uh, You know, again, you look at this schedule, and boy, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of tough games. Five primetime affairs again. Uh, in fact, they have a stretch. I, I think it's something like five and seven weeks or something like that, uh, starting uh, that week three game uh, at Detroit as a Sunday nighter. And then they have, uh, you know, then it's one o'clock against Miami. Then you got back to back prime timers, then uh, another uh, one o'clock game, and then another another back to back. I mean, five out of seven games they're going to be playing. Uh, after the 8 o'clock hour, I know you're not a big fan of that, Howie. No, not, <laughs> not at all. Not when you get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Right, I didn't, but, I didn't but, know. but you still have Mondays off, right? So the Sunday exactly. night ones are Sunday not. Sunday night, so uh, what? Well, yeah, it's those other ones. Is that that right? are, that's yeah, three Sunday nighters and then a Am Thursday and a right? Monday. Thursday night on Fox? Uh, I know Fox Oh, Fox did. switched it. Yeah, they picked up the, uh, they're doing it. It's not CBS anymore. Oh, so, okay. yeah, Fox has uh, got, they, they signed up a, a multi-year deal, I think, to uh, do the Thursday games. And, in fact, I believe Buck and Aikman will be. Uh, on the call of those games too, so yeah. um, I, was say, I didn't realize that was. I'm looking yeah. at this on Fox. On Thursday Probably night? makes more sense for them. I mean, their primetime lineup. I, I think they they don't have quite the many of the hit shows, yeah. and I don't think they necessarily care about preempting. They probably figure they're going to get as good a ratings for an NFL well, game. Thank God it's only one one Thursday night game. Well, right. I mean, well, I think that's it. I think the whole idea is that everyone has to play on a Thursday, so I think it ends up just being one per team. Uh, thankfully, only one most, Monday night game. Well, right. I think that's also uh, the case. Uh, yeah, I think it's one of Thursday, one Monday, and then you know the three Sundays. It's like three max on the Sunday, which also means there's a pretty good chance the Patriots aren't going to get flexed at the end of the year into a uh, into a prime time game. Of course, they finish at home with the Bills and Jets. Those are hardly uh, the kind of games you'd want to flex into a a prime time slot. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, Possibly uh, that Pittsburgh game. Uh, the game at Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's a possibility. Sure, that's uh, December the sixteenth. 
But, uh, yeah, it all kicks off, uh, though, this Sunday, 1 o'clock, uh, Houston. And, you know, last year these two teams played. It was uh, 36-33, and Brady threw that late touchdown pass to, to Brandon Cooks in the uh, final seconds for them to pull that game out. I don't know. I mean, you know, this is going to be another tough one. I think you're getting Houston, you know, here where they're totally healthy. J.J. Watt is healthy. Deshaun Watson coming back from his uh, his knee explosion. So uh, it'll be interesting to to see what you get uh, there. But, yeah, it's certainly it's a tough time. I, I believe Mike Reese might have picked the uh, – I think I, he said something today that he thinks the Pats are going to start 0-2. I mean, Houston-Jackson, I think it's anything's possible. I, I, I don't think they're going to start 0-2, though. I mean, I think they might go 2-2 and in the first four, but I think they'll find a way to at least split the first – uh, two games, even as tough as they kind of look. Uh, these are certainly not the, the, the kind of the matchups they would want to have early in the year when they're they're you know deficient of wide receivers and uh, you know and they're uh, they're coming into the uh, the start of the season a little shaky. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be an interesting run, that's for sure. Based on everything we talked about earlier. <laughs> yeah, no no question about it, uh, certainly. And, of course, uh, we're going to be back live on the TV side uh, September 19th uh, in a couple of weeks, so we'll have a chance to uh, to actually analyze those uh, Houston-Jacksonville games, and hopefully the Patriots will not be starting 0-2 uh, to get things going. Uh, don't forget you can uh, follow us here on social media by searching Time Out for Sports Talk on uh, Facebook and uh, Twitter. Of course, our handle is at TOST. BMC to get links to the latest TOST podcasts as soon as they're available. You can also check out previous uh, TV shows on demand at belmontmedia.org. As I said, our next live show will be Wednesday, September the 19th. Be sure you can follow us uh, on Facebook, Twitter uh, for all the latest updates. Once again, I want to thank Christopher Price from the Boston Sports Journal for joining us uh, a little bit earlier to talk and uh, break down the, uh, the Patriots season. So until next time, for Howie McClellan, this is Todd Bloniars, and uh, I think this is about the point where I bring up the music. And uh, thank you for checking out the TOST Toddcast here on the Belmont Media Podcast Network. And we'll see you live on TV in a few weeks. (laughs) 